0: Have you ever been lost in a cloud? I once encountered such a cloud on a dark, rainy night on my way home to Paso Robles from Cambria, over on the coast. The road is a two-lane road that winds along from side to side and up and down, and has no guardrails, though it does have a little um, uh, space on the edges, but no guardrails. All I could see was about 12 feet in front of the the car. I could see the double yellow line, but I was completely disoriented. I knew I was on the right road, but unsure of where exactly I was on that road. My brain kept telling me that if I just stayed on the road and followed the double yellow line, I would come out in Paso and be home. My gut was telling me that I was lost forever and I was never gonna get home. Being lost in a cloud is reminiscent of scary dreams. You know the ones, the ones where you wake up and they're so so real that we're still quaking in fear and that sometimes it takes us a few seconds to, or maybe more to remember that we're dreaming and that we're safe at home in our bedrooms. As scary as nightmares and weird dreams are, ancient peoples believed that such dreams were rich with hidden things, things the reasonable light of day does not reveal. Our gospel lesson for this morning offers us an encounter rich with hidden things. The account of the Transfiguration offers us a a lost-in-a-cloud story. Now, we could spend quite a bit of energy wondering if it is a literal account, which to us means, did it really happen, and did it really happen in just this way? We'll never know. So perhaps instead of concentrating on how it could have happened, we should instead concentrate on what it has to offer us. How our confusion about the event may, might spur us to think about the transfiguration in a new way. To observe, ponder. And pray. All the stories we have about the life and teachings of Jesus come from the early Christian community. The stories were told over and over again in the small house churches of the early Christian community. We know from our reading of the Gospels that different communities told different stories, or they told the same story in different ways, with different details. This year, our account of the transfiguration comes from Luke's community, a community that was coming to realize that God's kingdom in all its fullness was being delayed. Jesus had said he was coming back for the final harvest, but he was not coming as quickly as they had expected. The members of Luke's community were struggling to come to terms with the church as an institution with a future as well as a past and to find effective ways to put into words their enduring faith. So those in Luke's community looked to their past to see if they could make sense of their present and future. In the story of Moses returning from communion with God, they found a way to hope. The shining face of Moses was a reminder to the people of Israel that God was present in him and therefore present with them. The story of the transfiguration becomes a similar moment of connection for the early Christian community. Something of God's holiness has been absorbed by Moses and his face was glowing with God's radiance. And the story of Jesus' transfiguration gathers together various aspects of the story of Moses. The mountain, the cloud, the voice, the glory of God. And the author of Luke takes those mysterious things and now associates them with God's presence in Jesus. Using them to confirm Jesus' identity as the Messiah of God. Now, Luke has a slightly different take than the other evangelists in describing this event. First, he locates the story eight days after a time of teaching. And the eighth day is a hint to us because it refers to the day of resurrection and the new creation. Also, the experience occurred while Jesus was praying, just as at Jesus' baptism the voice from heaven came as Jesus was praying. As we read in, in, on in Luke during this year, year C of the lectionary, take notice of how major events in Jesus' life are always marked by prayer. Jesus has conversation with Moses and Elijah, who symbolize the law and the prophets, and their conversation points to Jesus' suffering, death, and resurrection, to his exodus. And this exodus of Jesus would would launch a new exodus for the people of God. His conversation with Moses and Elijah permitted the disciples to see who Jesus really was, even as he turned his face towards Jerusalem, even on his way to a shameful death. In the cloud, the disciples received a vision of Jesus as the Messiah, the anointed one of God. They could have dismissed it as being just a dream of no real use in a world of reason and sense. I think instead they acknowledged that the world of reason and sense have information to offer us and dreams and visions and signs also have information to offer us. Human ways of knowing and of expressing truth arise from many quarters and sometimes they collide and if they do seem that they do not, it is only because we've overlooked something. Priest and writer Barbara Crafton reminds us that a certain amount of confusion as it is an important part of the spiritual life, not a sign of its absence. It spurs us, this confusion, spurs us to observe, ponder, and pray. Life in Christ, she says, is always more productive of further wonder than of pat answers. Now, I'm always in favor of answers and are always happy to have them. But the story of the transfiguration has more to do with wonders than answers. I'm glad Barbara reminds us that a certain amount of confusion is an important part of the spiritual life. It spurs us to ponder the stories, to look at them from different viewpoints, to focus on one facet and then another. Lost in the cloud, the disciples are able to see Jesus differently. We are invited to see Jesus differently and to see ourselves and others differently also and to live in wonder. Amen.